I'm, I'm stoked to get into this today. If, uh, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we are in a month of just vision, just asking God, would you give us your vision for the future? Uh, of really asking this question, Lord, would you help us uh, as a church, as a whole community of people uh, together, not just to even give us vision for my life or your life, but say, Lord, what's your vision for us as a people at True North? And we're saying, God, we don't want to just kind of keep, always just live looking straight down. But once in a while, there just come these moments where you stop and lift up your eyes. And we're just saying, God, would you lift up our eyes and help us to see the big picture of what you see? See, vision is an amazing thing. The reason we're spending, you know, kind of a whole month on this is because when you have a vision for the future, you can move towards that vision. Vision helps you kind of rally the energy it takes to move towards something. It helps. And when there's a, a group of people like ourselves, when we have a common vision that we're moving toward, there is just, it helps all of us begin traveling and working together and moving in the same direction. And so we're spending a whole month saying, let's just try and see, God, what is the picture that you see when you look out into our future? What is your vision so that we might work towards it? I saw someone talking about vision on TV this week. And they said, you know, they said, it's, it's just a beautiful thing when a dream gets fulfilled, when, when vision comes to reality. In fact, that brought a picture of the guy I saw talking about this. Um, it's, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar. Yeah, it's worth a clap, right? He was excited. The reason he's talking about that is because for 52 years, the city of Cleveland, three sports teams, no championships, 52 years. Sometimes Dockers fans say to me, we know how you feel. 52 years. Not one sport, not two sports, three sports. That is nearly 100, and because one of the sports stars, it was basically 150 consecutive losing seasons uh, as a sports fan to endure. And though I was only alive for 38 of those years, uh, it was an amazing thing. And, uh, and the reason LeBron, he did, he talked about how, when he was talking about, so that's LeBron James, the Cleveland Cavaliers. If, you're new, if this is your first week, you may not know about the Cleveland Cavaliers. If this is even your second week, you know all about the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> at our church, but LeBron was excited. He's talking about how he had this vision because LeBron was born and raised around in, in the great city of Akron, Ohio, and, uh, and, and he was, so he's a hometown kid, and he started off playing for the Cavs, then he left and went to Miami. He went to kind of warm weather and won championships, but then two years ago, he said, I want to go back because, you know, where I'm from, there's never won a championship, and he wrote this letter when he decided to go back to the Cavs. He wrote a letter, and he said, my, the reason I'm coming home is because I want to bring a championship to the city of Cleveland. I want to bring a championship. And he said, I can't promise it. I can't promise it, but that's my vision. That's what I'm working towards. And this week as they, they came back, made history, defeated the, the evil Golden State Warriors. The, no, just joking. They're, they're not evil. They're not evil, nor are their fans. But uh, he, was, he was just saying, what an incredible uh, feeling to see vision, to write about it, dream about it, and then see it. And, and in all, all seriousness, uh, this is why we are spending time on vision as a church and giving a month to this. Because as we look forward into the distant future, we're just trying to say, God, what is that picture? You know, we don't know all that. You know, and he was like, I can't promise I'll do that, but that's what I'm moving towards. And we're saying, God, what is, what is the picture of what you want us to be moving towards as a team? But isn't it fun just to celebrate the Cleveland Cavaliers today? I think they're victory. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, this is, this is, these are the cheers of people going, you, you're going to be done now, right? <laughs> like, we, won't, we won't hear about this again until like October, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can cheer that if you'd like as well. <laughs> But we are. We're, we're spending time on vision. You know, uh, we've been talking about this whole idea of really as we frame, and we're still kind of 
you know, sharpening our vision, asking God to sharpen it in our midst. But there's kind of these two pieces that we've been talking about. And the one uh, we spoke about last week, we think God has a vision for us to be a place that is known by, distinguished by uh, being a people of his presence. A people who passionately pursue the presence of God. Uh, people that do that with earnestness and intentionality. Who, who desire that living dynamic connection of going into God's presence and allowing him to change us so that we can reflect that in the world. So there's this one piece that we've been talking about. Being a people who passionately pursue the presence of God. And the other piece of the, the vision, the big picture we feel like God uh, is speaking to us about is this whole idea of renewal and being part of renewal movement. And, and, and today we're going to talk about the whole idea of what would it even mean to become a center for renewal. To, do, to actually say, we feel like there is a calling of something of what God is speaking to us is around this whole idea of renewal and being a place of renewal. And so we're going to talk this morning. I want to start to just kind of unpack and picture for us uh, this whole idea of renewal and what renewal is all about. Uh, sometimes we talk about it in the context of our, our own lives as, as individuals. Uh, our minds are renewed, you know, we are renewed in the image of God. And um, we're going to think a little bit today about what does this mean for us as a community of people? What does this mean for us as a whole, uh, as a church, and, and then even broader than that? So we're going to start off, we're going to dive into Luke chapter 5, and we're going to look at a, a story Jesus tells that really speaks to, gives language, gives picture uh, really in lots of ways to the whole idea of renewal and what it's about. So we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 5, and we're going to pick it up in verse 33. What happens here, some of the Jewish relig religious teachers of Jesus' day uh, come to Jesus, and we actually read this a, a little while back, if you are with us, in the table series. Jesus was kind of spending all kinds of time around tables, eating and drinking, uh, celebrating, just spending time around the table with, with uh, so many people that, that kind of frustrated the, the, the religious leaders of his day because they weren't sure he should be spending that much time eating and drinking. And they weren't sure as well about some of the people he was associating himself so closely with. And they're constantly frustrated. And so here, here, here's another moment they come to him. It says, they said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray. That's what we'd expect. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But Jesus, yours go on eating and drinking. And Jesus answered them, he says, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days they will fast. You see, he starts by saying, you know, he's going to start with this first picture. They're wondering why he doesn't fit their mold. Why aren't you doing what we'd expect you to do? We think it should look like this. You're doing that. And Jesus says, look, it's like this. I mean, if you had a, a, a wedding going on, um, you know, the bridegroom's there. Everybody's eating and drinking. It would be completely almost kind of disconnected to think, well, I'll fast during this time of celebration. Uh, he's, he's, gonna, he's trying to direct their eyes to this disconnect. Uh, in verse 36, he goes on and he says, he's like, I'm going to try and unpack this for you. So he tells them, as Jesus often does, a parable. And he says, listen, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch up an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment. Now it's no good. And the patch from the new doesn't match the old anyway. It won't match the old. He says, and no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. He says, no, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. 
And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say, the old is better. It's a curious phrase right there at the end, and we'll, we'll get back to it later. But we're going to look for a moment at this whole idea, and this is what we're really going to look at today, this whole idea of renewal. The relationship between new wine and wine skins. There's a picture of renewal right here. You see, what Jesus was getting at right here, the, the religious leaders of his day always pictured God working in the world a certain way. And in fact, God had been working through certain forms and structures and that had been going on for a long time. God had worked through those. But now in Jesus, what God was doing, the new thing God was doing, it wasn't fitting for them. They were, you know, Jesus, why are you doing it like this? And Jesus is going to try and tell them, you, you, what you got to understand is God is doing a, a new thing that you're trying to fit into an old container. There come times when in order to hold, contain the new things God is doing, we have to be willing to let go of old containers. You see, the picture kind of works like this. He, he tells them first that, you know, uh, it, it's, like a, it's like a garment. And, and if you have this garment and it's an old garment and it gets a hole in it, you don't go find a new garment and like rip a piece out of it and then just try to patch up your old one. Now you've ruined the new one and the old one, it doesn't match anyway. You don't try and patch something new onto something that's old. And he says, and likewise, and this is the picture we'll focus on the most out of the three today. He says, you don't take new wine and pour it into an old wineskin. And, and, and the, the reason for that was this, is, you know, the way they would store wine, the skin that they most likely used and most frequently was a goat skin. So if they were going to, to contain you know, wine, you would you'd kill the goat, you'd empty its insides, and you would use kind of its body essentially would become, once it was emptied, this wineskin. They'd even, the fur would even stay on the outside. How about that? Going down to the goat skin shop, you know, and you got all these goats. That looks like a good, good vintage right there. Look at that. You know, the, the inside, they would treat it, you know, so they treat it, they tan it, and then they would pour new wine into this fresh wineskin. Now, new wine it's something that is alive and fermenting and, and bubbling because it's, it's new. So the fermentation process is going. And so while new young wine is still fermenting and there's all these chemical reactions and those things are taking place in the wine, if you put it, you need to put new wine because it's bubbling and, and living and, and there's gases forming all this. It needs to go into a new wine skin because a new wine skin is kind of flexible and it's, it's, it's not kind of gotten old and, and, and brittle and, and, and stay put. It's new, it's fresh, it's a younger skin. And so as all that wine goes in, even as it bubbles and ferments and all this kind of living reactions going on, the wine skin can kind of grow and compress right along with it because that wine skin is still, you know, it's still dynamic, it's still moldable, it's still changeable. But now you put that new wine in, and now you imagine in its early days, it's a new wine, it's a young wine, it's bubbling, it's lively, it's doing all these things. But over time, all those processes start to simmer down, and it becomes old wine, which is lovely for drinking. So you imagine you drink the whole, you know, or, or someone, probably not you, let's say a whole bunch of people, <laughs> it's not just you drink the whole goat skin, but a person, a people, a feast, uh, whatever, the, the wine gets used up, and you're left with now, uh, over time, this old wineskin, it's had that wine in it a long time. It's taken the shape of that wine. Once all the fermenting stopped, the wineskin stopped as well. And it started to become, a, instead of being flexible and dynamic, it started to become rigid and, and stay put. So the picture of the wineskins is, so once it, all that new wine's out, 
you got this great skin. Maybe you loved it. Maybe it was your favorite skin for wine you ever had. Like, man, I love that skin. The wine that was in it was so good. I love that skin. Do you take new wine and try and pour it in there? You can't. Because the new wine is now living and bubbly and dynamic. And that old skin, because it, it molded, it took the form of, of the old wine. And now it's been around a long time. It's an old skin. It's not just old. It's now gotten brittle. It's now gotten, you know, rigid. It's now gotten static. And so you try to pour something living and bubbly and dynamic into something that is old and brittle and static. And guess what? It bursts it. And now you've ruined the skin. You've ruined the wine. You can't pour new wine into an old wineskin. Now, Jesus, the reason he's sharing this story with the, the religious leaders of his day is because he's trying to help them see. They're just going, Jesus, you don't fit. I mean, we're, we're the people of God, and Jesus is one of them. He's come out of the Jewish people. He's come out of, that's how he's raised. But yet they see that in Jesus, it's like God is doing something new. And Jesus is saying the reason, the, the problem, you guys are going, Jesus, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? He's like, listen, you can't try to pour new wine into an old wineskin. He's trying to tell them, your container can no longer hold what God is doing. This is a really, uh, you know, and it was a challenging thing at the time because it, it, it seemed like, but wait, this is the container that's always held what God is doing. What, what are we to make of that? You know, one of the things I think is helpful to see uh, about this, you know, great little parable here. Jesus, in this little snapshot we saw, he talks about, Three different pictures. He talks, first of all, about that wedding banquet. He talks about the new and old garments. And he talks about new wine. Now, all three of these things are symbols throughout the, the, the New Testament of the new age of the kingdom of God in all its fullness. They all speak to the kingdom of God. We're told that the kingdom, when it comes in all its fullness, when Jesus renews all things, it'll be like a wedding banquet that we're invited to. You know, there, we, we, we see parables and stories about the garments that we will wear. And Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. The wine represents the kingdom of God and what it is doing in this world and is living and dynamic and active. But what he's saying is that in order for you to, to be able to contain and to hold the living dynamic activity of the kingdom of God in this world, at times you have to be willing to let go of old wineskins that you may have felt very comfortable with and, you, and it may have been your favorite wineskins, but if you're gonna be a part of new living dynamic things that God is doing, new wine needs a new wineskin. That's why Jesus says to them as well, and the reason he has to talk to them about this is because of this common, common human dynamic. If we go back to his last words there at the end of verse 39, he says, no one after drinking old wine wants the new. When you've had old wine, that's good wine. Jesus isn't trying to write an article for a wine connoisseur magazine here. His point is not the pros and cons of new wine and old wine. His point is this. No one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. We don't need new wine. We don't need new wineskins. The old stuff is, is good. The, the exact word, there is even good, and it's trying to help us see that. The point is this, people always gravitate towards what is old and familiar. And Jesus is saying this is, this is part of the challenge that the people, the religious leaders of his day were having with him. Because the kingdom of God and Jesus now needed new forms to express it. You see, the, the, the people of God, the, the, uh, everything in the, 
that we see in the Old Testament and how God worked through the people of Israel and the, and the Jewish faith, it's not that Jesus was coming and saying, well, that's all bad. But what he was saying was that it's time for a, a new container because God is now doing a new thing. It's not a different thing. He's even said elsewhere, he says, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets came to fulfill it. So his point is not that, that it is a, uh, that, it, that those things are, are bad, but what he's saying is that it is now, the kingdom of God is now being expressed in a new way. For the first time in Jesus, the kingdom that is yet to come actually broke into this world. And it is now here. It is not just future. It has come. It is already and it's not yet. And if we are to contain the new work, the new, if we are to, to contain and to make room for the new wine, the living, bubbling, fermenting wine of what the kingdom of God, what Jesus is up to in our world, means that we have to be a people who are always willing to let go of wineskins for the sake of the new wine of the kingdom. Renewal, when we think about it for ourselves as a community, as a people, when we think about even our vision to be a place of renewal, in so many ways, it's about just being a people who are willing to constantly trade old wineskins to make room for new wine. See, the thing about wineskins and wine is that you realize one of them is of essential importance. The wine is of essential importance. Whether you have a wineskin or not, the wine matters. Wineskins only matter if they can hold the wine. And, and, and our wineskins, they, they, do, you know, do you know the church, at the end of the day, hang with me for a second, at the end of the day, the church is a wineskin. It is how God is working in the world in this era. And we are called to be people who allow the kingdom to come in our lives and flow through us. And we advance it. And God is working through the church. We're the body of Christ. We are now his presence in this world. But the church one day, if we ever get more committed to the church than the new wine of what God is doing, we, we missed it. The church matters, but it matters as a vehicle that holds and contains and expresses what the kingdom of God is up to in our world through Jesus. One day, the church will pass away because the church is those who are called out of this world to be the body of Christ. One day when the kingdom comes in fullness, there won't be any more called out. There will only be the kingdom. There will only be God as our king. There will only be we dwell in his presence and he's wiped away every tear from every eye and he's renewed all things in the new heavens and a new earth. There will only be that we now dwell so much in his presence we don't even need the sun to shine because God himself will be their light. That's the future picture. And so... For us, for us, what does, this, what does this mean for us? You know, I think one of the things God wants to speak to us, this whole idea of renewal and being a place for renewal, is I think God would say, this, you know, it's not to say as well, I'm not saying that, you know, the, the church is a wineskin that's discarded, not at all, but that for the church to be who the church is called to be, which is the wineskin that holds the, the wine of God's kingdom in this world, for the church to be what it is meant to be, we must constantly engage in and allow God to bring about constant and consistent renewal. We must be about constant renewal. We must be about God. We never want to love our wineskins more than we love your wine. We must be about, we will, we, we, if we need to shed old forms and ways of doing things so that we can make room for the new thing God is doing, then we must always stay in that position. That's what renewal is all about. And as long as we live and engage in constant renewal, then the church stays alive and growing and dynamic. 
one of the challenges we face, one of the reasons I think renewal is so important, is because when we look at the church as a whole, and, and this in, includes us some, I'm not saying like we're doing one thing, the rest, of, but when you look at the church as a whole across our land here in Australia, it is not a picture of dynamic new life bubbling up and over. All too frequently, it, the picture is, is decline. Do you know when decline sets in? It sets in whenever we get more passionate for our wineskins than the wine. And here's what I think. Here's what I think is cool. I think God wants us to be a, a center for renewal. I think God wants us to think differently about who we are and how we operate as a church into the future, that we are called to renewal, and it has to begin in us. We have to be a people who constantly embrace and are willing to make room for the new wine of what God's doing. We have to be a people of constant renewal. But we want a renewal that begins in us but doesn't end with us. What would it mean for us to be a place so committed to renewal and allowing God to put bubbly, new, lively, fermenting wine into us such that we are able to, to, to be able to see that not just, hey, what a great thing's happening here, but we're actually able to be part of a larger kingdom movement of God. This is what, it, what, what we're talking about when we talk about renewal movement, when we talk about being a center for renewal. I think this is what God wants to, to speak to us. And you know what I think is cool? Here, here's the... One of the things that, that helps me see, I think this is what God wants for us, is I think God has actually, when we say, here's what we've been, we've been walking, we've been looking, God step in front, and I think this is a moment in time when you look up and you say, God, what do you actually, what's your bigger picture for us? I think God has positioned us to be a place that is a part of renewal. Here's a, a couple of the things that help me kind of know this. You know, one thing is, renewal is about, as I said, constant change. You know, like, well, when do you get to stop renewing? When, when, do you, when do you get to not have to do that anymore? You know, the only things that don't change anymore are things that are no longer living. So here's the thing. Renewal is a constant process. Uh, and it doesn't mean we're always, you know, kind of scrapping everything. So, no, but it, it, there, there's, there's, a, there's a state of mind and being and willingness to say, God, we want to stay in that dynamic renewing place. And I believe he's positioned well because you know what I, I see when I look at this church, when I look at what God, what's one of the unique things of our DNA? This is a church. This is a people. This is a community. And if you're new here, you may not know this yet, but this is a place that is always up for renewal. Not change for change's sake. Let's just change that because, but you know what? God, if we need to make changes so that we can be a part of what you're doing, we're willing to do that. I talk, you know, one of the things you hear so often if you talk with people leading in different churches and they talk about how, you know, people don't want to change. Sometimes it's always written the church is sort of the most change-averse, you know, institution in the world. And sadly, that, that can become true of the church. But I am so grateful because there is just something about this place the people, when I think of the amount of change that this church has been willing to kind of not just endure but to embrace over the last three, four, five years— you know, a lot of people had jumped off that bandwagon a long time ago. But we have a people. You know, I, you know one of the things I love about this church is I love our, our 50 and over crowd. I, the, the stereotype, most, most people won't, may, may not realize, the stereotype is that older people don't like change. That there's a stereotype. I didn't start it. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't say anything. I'm just telling you, this is out there. But you know what I love? I, lo I talk to people, pastors, leaders, and I say, you know, our our, our seniors crew, they are, they are fantastic. You know, I, you know I, have a, I have an email folder that I, I label encouragement. 
I label encouragement because when I was first getting in ministry, somebody told me, whenever somebody sends you an encouraging email, make sure you save it because there will be days when you just need to get that out and you just need to read it and you just need to remember. So I literally, if I get an encouraging email, I, I save them. I have a whole, whole folder of them. And, and you, know what I, you know what's amazing? Almost all of mine are people who would have gray hair, white hair, no hair. It's awesome. Do you know what, do you know what that means? Some of the absolute most encouraging people in our church are those who are in the, 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 the last quarter of their life. That when some people will be thinking, I don't want change and I don't want to do this, we have got a community of people who just go, hey, let's keep going. You know, they, they could easily just write me out and go, man, he's a young guy. He's constantly talking about basketball and the Cleveland Cavaliers and I just wish he'd stop. And, but that's, you know, it's not. You know, we've got, there's a great, so here's, here's the thing. We just have, for whatever reason, and I don't know, but there is just a, there is a spirit. There's something in the DNA. There's something in the, the juice of this place. It's just like, we are up for renewal. We're up for new things. We're up for different things. It's been there from the beginning of this church. It's just, and that's a special thing. And I just want to name that and call it what it is. Because it's not everywhere. And, and I think there's something that we got to go, okay, and all the different things people can do. That's one of the things I think we can do is we can be a place that's like, hey, let's be willing to try new things and, and, and try new wineskins so we can make room for new, fresh wine and never, never stop being willing to do that. You know, the other reason I think uh, I, I see where, where God has positioned us is you just look at some of the things he's led us into uh, over the last few years. You know, I think finding vision, it's not about kind of going, what would be something nice out there to do? Finding vision is about going, God, where do we see you at work? What are you doing? What are you up to? How can we be more and more about that? You know, Jesus, I, I, I just do whatever I see the Father's doing. We're trying to, as a church, just go, what's, what's the Father doing? How do we get in touch with that? You know, over the last few years, you know, when we look at uh, what's happening up in, in Marowa, you know, that opportunity... I think one of the reasons God gave it to us as a church was so, because he, he wanted to allow us to think fresh. We have blank block of land in the year 2016 to think in fresh ways about what is the church called to do and be. And if you were to design even, you know, facilities in a church, how would you design it if you didn't have to work with the, you know, what had been designed and planned 30 years ago? How would you design a, a new wineskin, if you will, for today? And, and, and one of the things I think is amazing, you know, as a church, we're able to, we've been able to rethink things. We've been able to look at it with a blank canvas and go, what should the church look like in the year 2016? You know, we're starting a child care center. You know what I, I think is cool is, you know, most people have an idea of what the church is. They, they're like, I know the wineskin. I've seen that wineskin. It's been sitting on the shelf for long. I know what church looks like. You know what we want to do? We want to change the whole conversation about what a church even is. I want people to go, what's, what's True North? What's that? What's True North Church? Well, it's a child care center. I mean, that's one of the things. You know, it's a group of people who are so committed to seeing uh, young people develop, you know, from, a, from age up to, to enjoy and love learning and discovery and, and set them up and position them well for life. What, only if they come? No, just anybody. We just love kids, not just our kids. You know, what, what does it look like to change the whole conversation about what a church is? You know, what does it look like, people? You know what? You know, here's something. You want to hear something fun you can do, in fact. Maybe you can help us with this. Uh, we've got Child Care Center. 
as you know, so we're, we're, we're building that. And the whole theme and the idea of that, the whole way the building's even been designed uh, is to kind of speak to, you know, sort of the adventure and journey and discovery of, of life and of learning. And um, in fact, all the interior design, and it's, and it's meant to do this in sort of a natural, and that reflects sort of our natural environment and where we are even in, in Western Australia. In fact, all the interior design, they used as inspiration uh, the canning stock route. Uh, from right here in WA, and artwork that surrounded that. To go, it's trying to create this kind of natural, beautiful indoor, outdoor environment, have nature playgrounds, all these things, uh, and, and it's going to speak to all those things. You know what? And it's going to be a, a phenomenal uh, place. It's been thought through at every level. You know, one of the things you could do, if you've got, one of the things, we, there's this whole kind of picture, if you will, of what it could be, and one of the things that we need to do is give it a name. So if you've got a name for it, that you think could capture and speak to all those things. Over the next couple of weeks, we're just kind of opening it up to our whole church to say, hey, let's start naming this stuff that, that God's uh, created for us. So if you're a creative person, if you're a, a person who likes to think like that, if you've got an idea of what we could name the Child Care Center, let us know. In fact, we're even asking all the kids today. We're going to ask all of them. And, uh, but all these things are to completely represent the church in a whole different way in this world. You know, we, instead of designing uh, a place where we could worship once a week in the alternate, we've, de de you know, designed a space that's meant to be almost like a common ground, almost like a third place for the whole community. You know, it's got a, a, an auditorium where you can do arts and, and culture type stuff, and you can do training and conferences and, you know, capacity building type programs can work there, and there's chairs that can be taken out, and, you know, you can have a seniors program, and you can put up uh, trestle tables and lawn bowls. There's all kinds of things we can do in there. There's a cafe in the foyer where people can connect over good Jesus-honoring coffee, you know? There's, there's all, all these things. There's all these different spaces. You know what, if you've got an idea, what we want to do is we actually want to name that building. Because you know what, sometimes we, what's the building? Well, that's True North Church. That building is not True North Church. True North Church is a, is a movement of people in whom God dwells in their midst as a community, not in a building. And so we want to even name that building. If you've got an idea that speaks to that. You know, we want that place to be a, a third place for the community. If you ever heard that, the whole idea of third place is, is, some, is where do you go to hang out when you're not at work and you're not at home? We're trying to create that kind of space. And we're trying, and that's what the whole, so if you got ideas on that, send them in, be a part of it. But here, but the point is, what we're trying to do is change the whole conversation about what the church is. It's not a building. It's not static. It's not an institution. It's a dynamic force of people infused with the presence of God who are a force for love, joy, mercy, justice, beauty, creativity. That's the church. And we've got to start to change. We want to renew the entire picture of what that means. And that will only happen as we are willing to undergo constant renewal. Letting go of old wineskins to make new room for the new wine of what God is doing. The wine never changes. It's the kingdom of God. It's the gospel of Jesus. And it's there and it's living and dynamic and potent and active. And we want to always make room to allow it to just do its thing in this world. You know, the other thing I mentioned earlier, I want to talk for a moment as well about where this is, how this, I think, plays out a little bit right here at our Mullaloo campus. Uh, one of the things that we want to do, you know, we talk about this master planning process. You know, one of the things that we want to commit ourselves to as a church, we're going to grand open, if you will, a brand new 
facilities, brand new, all this stuff up in Merwa. In a sense, it's easy to see that it is new and that it's kind of grand opening and it is launching. The great challenge is how do we constantly think new where we have been for a long time? When we think about opening later this year, uh, we're not thinking about, hey, we're opening one new campus. We want to actually try and wrap our minds around the idea of thinking we're opening two new campuses. That we're thinking about Malu not like, yeah, this place has always been here and it's doing a good thing and things are rolling on and we're pretty comfortable with our wineskin. We want to think, no, imagine this place was brand new. What would we do? If God was to parachute us in, imagine we weren't all here today, but God was to parachute us in and just drop us. You know, three, four hundred of us, smack dab right in Molu. He said, here, I'm going to give you a, a block of land. It's got a building on it. You're going to be surrounded by, you know, kind of Hillary's this way and Ocean Reef and Heathridge. And, and these are all the places that are going to be right around you. Now you go there and you unleash the wine of my kingdom. What would that look like? What would we do? We don't want to just kind of, yep, we'll kind of go back to normal. We have to actually force ourselves to always think like a startup. Renewal is constant. You never stop, never stopping for renewal. You just don't get to kind of go, we're done. We changed enough. We renew, you know, renewal never stops. And, and, and he, so this is why we're master planning it. All the same ways we thought about Marowa, we're applying and want to apply right here in Molu. We want to say, this is something we've been entrusted with. How do we steward it? How do we think creatively? How do, we, how do we take a good hard look at who's actually around us and say, are we actually, do we actually have some wineskins that can hold what God would want to do here? Wineskins that are relevant and alive and dynamic to the people all around us. I think that'd be a fun process. In fact, in, in July as well, what we're going to ask is everybody who calls, everybody who calls and is going to call Mullaloo their, their campus home, we're going to have a night for just visiting. We're going to get around tables, trust tables, we're going to brainstorm, we're going to pray, we're going to talk, we're going to, you know, discuss. We're just going to spend a whole night just trying to, let's, let's think not like we've been here, but like we're brand new. What would we want to do? What would God ask us to do? Are there skins we need to let go of? Are there new ones we need to embrace? How, how do we begin to think like brand new? So that'll be coming up in July. We'll be sending you around the dates and times. But I, here's, the, here's the thing as well. I mentioned in that, anyone who's going to call Mullaloo home, the thing that I would encourage you to do, if you're part of our, our church right now, if you're part of True North, is to begin praying and asking, God, what campus do you want me to be a part of? Not where do you want me to attend services, but what campus do you want me to be on the team and a part of the work that you're doing? And between now and, and even, we'll, we'll kind of revisit this around August or September when we're starting to get closer to opening. Uh, but I'd love you to be praying and thinking, and not just thinking, where was I before and, and which place do I think I'd like to, to be in, but actually saying, no, God, where do you want me? That we're not just people who kind of come along to a service. We're a group of people on mission and say, God, where do you want me? Where can I be a part of the new work that you're doing? And just, you know, the next few months, just be praying into that. Be thinking about it. Just, you know, kind of, God, where, where do you want me? So I can be a part of unleashing your kingdom work in this world. These things, you know, uh, you know th those are just a couple, th those are very small snapshots of a little bit of what renewal looks like. But renewal ultimately, it, it is about constantly and consistently uh, just saying, God, would you help me to always be willing to let go of old wineskins? Say, God, I'm not content with what you poured in yesterday what you poured in last year, or what you poured in 10 years ago. I want to make room for the new work of your kingdom in my life. I want to make room for new wine. I want it to be living and dynamic and bubbling and fermenting, and it is almost like it's a lot. And, and I just think if we commit ourselves to 
that kind of posture. You know, if we commit ourselves to saying, God, that's who we want to be. People are pursuing your presence and who are open to just constant renewal. We're willing to be those people that just say, you know what, God, maybe one of the things we can do is just try some big things and take some big risks and see what happens. Because God said, you know, this, we can be a place that's willing to like embrace some new wineskins and say, God, we're willing to try anything. If, it can, if this is something where you're at work, we're willing to try it. Because the cool thing is this. As we experience renewal, if there's new wine in us and it's fermenting and it's growing and it's dynamic and it's alive, imagine that we could actually be a part of seeing that dynamic fermenting, bubbling over new life, not just stay in us. And isn't this great? In 10 years from now, our church is going, but actually letting it spill out and pour over across the body of Christ. That, you know, renewal is not about a church-based focus. It's about a kingdom vision. I think one of the things is we look forward, we got to say, God, you know, we, we can't be content. You know, it, as we look around, there's far too much decline. There's far too many churches, far too But God is in, in, in us and in many other places. There are dynamic, there are new things, there are going. What would it mean for us to say, we actually want to just, we want to be a center for renewal. We want a renewal that starts in us but doesn't finish with us. Can you imagine? Imagine, you know, if you look at the story of the church in our city and across Australia the last 10 years, if you look at the, the numbers and the story and the narrative, it is just, this is like a declining institution that is soon to be a relic of the past. There, there have never been more people leaving, more churches closing, less young people in church. That's the narrative out there. You can look it up. Can you imagine 10 years from now, we're able to be a part, along with other churches around our city, of flipping that script. That 10 years from now, imagine the story is not, well, that's cool. There was something good that happened to you. But the story is starting to shift and the story is starting to become, churches just never seem to have been more alive, more thriving. I mean, it's this book of Acts type stuff. It's never been, it's like the church is just becoming this dynamic movement of people. It's always meant to be infused with the power and life of God and his kingdom and spilling out into our world. Imagine that. Imagine changing that story. When we think about being a center for renewal, it has nothing to do with us and everything about saying, how, how can we pursue renewal that will start with us and spill out into this world? Because the vision is not a great local church. The vision is God's kingdom at work. The smallest of seeds is planted and it's so small, you don't even notice it at first, but it keeps growing and keeps growing and gets bigger and bigger until it's the biggest and largest and greatest of all the plants. And we get to be a part of unleashing his kingdom in this world. Here's what I want us to do today. Here's what we're going to do today. Is we're going to finish with a prayer. But our prayer is going to be a song. I'm going to invite the team back up. And, uh, and we're, going to, we're going to sing together. And we're going to sing this song we sang earlier that leave me astounded. And this song, but please do not just sing it. What I would ask you is to say, would you pray this? Would you pray it from the depths of your heart that we are asking for more of God? We want more of his presence. We want more. We want to be willing to lay aside our crowns, to lay aside whatever we have so that more of God will flow into us and through us into this world. So that we, we could be a part of seeing things happen that actually leave us astounded, that flip the script, that change the narrative. See God alive and well in, in ways, you know, we may have thought unimaginable. So I want to invite you to, to sing this. You know, this flipping the script, seeing genuine renewal, seeing, seeing a, a, a living, bubbling, fermenting work of the kingdom won't happen with just a few people going after it. It will happen when we, as a community of God's people, embrace it and chase it 
together. Would you stand up? Why don't you stand with me? And let's sing this. But more than that, let's pray this.